Show, Sportsnet 59 The Fan, Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, extendo version. So we're only halfway through it, folks. People, threat or promise, you decide. <laughs> People were pounding the table that said, more morning show. Um, so yeah, that's what you get. We're, we're on until 10 o'clock, taking you right up to a Blue Jays talk. Plus, as we get set for a 4.30 first pitch, Kevin Gossman against Pablo Lopez, game one from Minnesota, from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I, I guess there's still time to hop on a plane mm. and, and get in the ballpark. You're the aviation expert between the two of us. Anyways. I, I haven't looked at the schedule. Maybe there's not a ton of flights to Minneapolis. No offense to Minneapolis. Maybe not a ton of people interested in going to <laughs> Minneapolis on a general basis. According to USA Today's Bob Nightingale, though, the get-in price for this game, the lowest of any of the postseason series, Seven bucks to go see a, a, a playoff game between the Minnesota Twins and the Toronto Blue Jays. Your American League Central champion, Minnesota Twins. I made a quip uh, to John Morosi about how the, the fine people mm -hmm. in the state of Minnesota probably, despite the, the slow start for the yeah. Vikings, probably a little more locked in to Vikings football than Twins baseball. Also... Maybe understand a Twins team that won 87 games, won a division, played the fewest games in the entire postseason field against teams with above 500 mm -hmm. record and is riding an MLB high and an all-time record 18-game postseason losing streak. But I would like to imagine, chew on the other foot, it's more than seven bucks to get into a baseball game in the postseason this time of year. That's disgusting. Honestly, like, you... It's a good thing I'm not the commissioner of baseball. Because if I saw that, I'm moving the game. I'm like, you don't want it, clearly. <laughs> Obviously, you just don't oh, want it. I was going to take a step. I was like, oh, I'm moving the franchise. Okay. <laughs> now I'm going to give him, I, I'm moving the game, and that's the warning shot. <laughs> All right. After that, though, I don't know. Maybe I'd, like, threaten to move the team, but just they have, like, twin cities there, right? Just move it to the other brother. Yeah, St. Paul. Yeah. Would that maybe that wouldn't go over well? Maybe they'd love it. I don't know. That I have be, no idea. I have no, I'm not going to pretend to know the machinations of the river. Of, I think it's on okay. the other side of the river. I'm just saying that would be the that would be the follow through. I'd be like, you know what? I'm going to move the franchise. And it's like when we're yelling at our kids and we don't actually want to follow through with the punishments. Turn so, this car around. Yeah, yeah, it's like I'm definitely not going to do that. But I'm going to yell and scream about it. I it disgusts me. And you know, you brought up when we were talking about this a little earlier the idea that did this kind of happen with the Jays in 2015? Well, it wasn't I mean, a seven buck get in, but it was. Oh. There were a lot of tickets that were available at a very low price after the Blue Jays went down three one oh, to the Kansas that's City different Royals than the first game. Yeah, <laughs> no, and, and after you know, Blue Jays had Cliff Pennington on the mound in yeah. a postseason game, which is not a great look. No, 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 no. But yeah, it was a, it was. It was a bit of a fickle fan base then as well. And and for a team that came back and, and won that game, sent it back to yep. Kansas City and given some different calls in the ninth inning of game six. Kids lying there in Andrew's face and his beard. And, yeah, yeah. might have sent it to a game seven, might have won that series, might have won the World Series. So, yeah, it's a, it's, it's a little too much to, to paint Toronto with a different brush. But that's that No, sucks. that's very different. That's that, very that different. That sucks. It, it, it must be said that that sucks you know who doesn't believe the twins are real people in minnesota it yes. seems like yes i i think they they rightly look at a team that plays in this horrible division mm -hmm. with four also rands and like cleveland they they pitched pretty well mm -hmm. but they didn't even finish second that cleveland 
actually added pieces yes. at the deadline. They have a Hall of Fame manager. They had some mm-hmm. all uh, like not all time greats. They have some great up and coming yep. young pitchers that the Blue Jays could not hit, and but they weren't the only ones. <laughs> Why couldn't they? And and they have some interesting pieces, and 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 maybe a future Hall of Famer and Jose Ramirez in the lineup. Mm-hmm. But that team didn't even finish a second in this division. There was nobody that finished above 500 in this division outside of the Minnesota Twins. They only won 87 games. I I think what you're seeing here is the byproduct of, yeah, having this divisional play, having an automatic berth for a team that plays mm. against inferior opposition while it also impacts the, the competitive balance of the sport. If fans are smart enough to realize that, oh, okay, sure, you get to the postseason, it's more of a, a coin flip mm-hmm. than than a, a, a longer series or, or a regular season uh, of a 162-game sample. But we understand that the Twins are not legitimate World Series contenders here. No, but they're in the playoffs. And for 25 or whatever the number is teams every year in baseball, that's all you would dream of is just – Getting there, just having a chance, getting in the dance, whatever your idiom that you want to use is, that is all you could ever ask for and all you could ever want. I do wonder part of it as well as the kind of, we talked about it, the weird nature of the way the twins have built this thing up. Like it's, hey, big splash for Carlos Correa, and they obviously have a ton of young pieces, but... This isn't the Orioles where, I mean, obviously from a performance standpoint, it's not the Orioles, but it's not also, yeah. it's the every week, it's the best prospect in baseball graduating to the major leagues. Like not, I don't want to poo-poo what all these twins guys were before they got there. Cause quite honestly, I don't know, but I know they were not talked about like Gunnar Henderson or Jackson holiday, or even Vladdy, who's going to play in this series. Royce too. Lewis kind of well, Okay. Is. He was that guy. Yeah. Okay. So yeah, Royce Lewis is is on that that level, and again, who knows if he's going to be activated for for today's game? But maybe that's part of it. If your big sexy stud is yeah. like a TBD for the playoffs, you're sitting there going, eh, yeah, I feel a little less different about that. There's, I that doesn't take them. I want to be clear, doesn't take them remotely off the hook, and I'm still disgusted with all the people. And the other part of this as well is the time. So I guess it's three thirty there. Yeah, it's not it's not noon. You know, people. have Played hooky from work before. Yeah, a couple hours off of yeah. work. Yeah, you don't have to miss the whole day. Yeah, like off a half of work. day. Um, again, it, it it when postseason games have been played in this city in recent vintage, and they've been in the afternoon because they always are. Because yes. Blue Jays generally get that end <laughs> yeah. of the schedule. Yeah, guess what? You're the Twins. Okay, you yeah. don't get better than that. And we are talking about a different population. Yeah, when we're talking about Toronto versus That's Minneapolis, fair. people show up here. Anyways. Um, I, I talked about this a little bit with John Morosi when we had the, the conversation with him uh, about an hour ago that, yes, the Twins have this 18-game postseason <laughs> losing streak, which is hilarious, and so many of those games coming against the Yankees, um, and, and that sucks, and like the, there's an amount of pressure to eliminate that losing streak, certainly. There's also, hey, they won a division, they did push a certain amount of chips into the middle of the table to go out and acquire Pablo Lopez for yep. a guy who's one of the best hitters in all of baseball. Both sides won that trade, certainly, but that was an all-in type of move. They they went and re-signed Carlos Correa when it seemed like they... they who every doctor in the world apparently was just screaming, one, snap that fasciitis, yeah. and two... Don't sign that guy. Yeah, they did that. So they 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 put some some money into this thing as well as some actual trade equity. But that being said, it is night and day the pressure on these two franchises 
to one, win this series, and two, do anything in the postseason. The Blue Jays were one of the World Series favorites coming into this season, and while the regular season didn't go the way they would have hoped and didn't even get to 90 wins, finished third in a division that they were expected to win, there's a resetting of, of everybody and, and what they achieved this season, mm -hmm. but there's no resetting of the goal this God, year. No. no, it's still World Series or bust with this team where it's like the Twins, it's like they're on the come up. They won 87 games. This is a team that, yeah, as John says, probably going to be at the top, if not at the top, battling at the top uh, of the American League Central next year. Big deal yeah. if, if they lose this series or or don't end up uh, hoisting the ultimate prize or they extend the postseason losing streak. And those players weren't even on those teams. Yeah, I know we're, I know we're talking Jays here, but it must be so... It's just night and day to build a ball club in a vacuum, like completely different circumstances than the Jays do. We talked about it with Morosi, the idea that anytime, forget both, anytime one of the Sox or Yanks are down, you're going, got to strike. Yep. They're, they're, they're so rich. They're going to come back eventually. You have to have to strike. And the Twins have the exact opposite thing. They know they can, hey, they can make their big swing for Pablo Lopez and it worked out in spades. Good on them. It's good to be aggressive. But if it, only worked out in, I don't know, is there like a worse suit than spades? I don't know. Hearts! But yeah, sure. If it worked out <laughs> in hearts, I don't know, then it would have still been fine, and they probably still would have cruised to a division title because mm. the division is just so gettable there, and it does allow you to just kind of do more of a slow build, and then, again, like, I'm not going to pretend to be super plugged into the media market there, but you see the appetite for that team, and it mm. doesn't seem like people are saying, push them over the top right now no, when they're not even showing up to the park. So No, that's a great point that, yeah, it's not, um, and in this city, people for some reason, think that it's the media that pushes the agenda to the fans, where, in fact, it's the opposite, right? Like, we're only reacting to what we feel the temperature of the fan base is. And maybe yeah. we're not always correct, but it's like, yeah, it feels like Blue Jays are important, Leafs are important, the Raptors are important, and maybe TFC and the yeah. Argos are less so important. It's mm -hmm. not that we wouldn't love to do a two-hour Argo show if they were the biggest yeah. uh the biggest franchise in the city where the opposite is true in Minnesota. Like if, if the twins were way bigger and more important than the Vikings, yeah. I'm sure they would dominate talk radio there. And maybe there would be a level of pressure that, that I'm underestimating in Minneapolis. Doesn't seem that. No, there's not that. And you would maybe have to pay more than $7 yeah, to probably, get in. That's probably a good indication that, yeah, there's, there's not a big fan appetite brutal, <laughs> and that the fans are, are, are saying world series or bust for the twins. All right. So, um, there's a lot of pressure on the blue Jays. <laughs> yeah. Can't, uh, I can't confirm that much. There's a lot of pressure on the blue Jays as a team. I think there's building individual pressures for these individual players, which I think is an interesting way to talk about this blue Jays team. Yep. So I'm, I've kind of split them up into two buckets. There's some guys who I don't have in any bucket because, um, they're just part of, you know, Sorry for the insult, but they're a bit of the mushy middle of, of this team. Some of the guys who I have in the, I don't know what bucket to put in, but I'm going to start with the guys who I think have very little or nothing at stake in this, in this postseason. And I don't know, correct me if I'm wrong. I feel like first is the guy who's getting the ball today in Kevin Gosman. I don't, outside of him laying an absolute egg, which I do not see happening. I don't see how this changes the perception of Kevin Gosman in the fan base across baseball. He 
was not his dominant a self in his outing last year in the playoffs, but it was not the reason. The conversation about him is that they should have left him in longer, not mm-hmm. that he needed to be pulled sooner in that game. So I don't look at Gosman as a guy with something to prove this postseason. If they get out of this round, maybe that resets the conversation and you want to see him be a gamer, all that kind of stuff. But for this round specifically, I don't think there's anything at stake there. Well, it's an interesting point about Gosman and his first kick of the can in the postseason for this Blue Jays team a season ago, because if you will recall, that, you know, Alec Manoa got the start in game one of that series, partly because he had the better season, Mm -hmm. but also partly because they needed to give Kevin Gossman some time. He was dealing with some blister issues, and there was a question about how how deep he could go in the baseball game, whether he could start at all in that baseball game, and then departed with some men on that all scored. Thanks very Mm -hmm. much to Tim Mesa, but (laughs) if that doesn't happen, his... Box score looks uh, a lot better than the the foreign runs that he gave up over four and two th- or five and two thirds uh, a season ago. I, I think you're right because ultimately he's been everything the Blue Jays hoped and expected he would be when they signed him mm-hmm. to the multi year deal and replacing a guy who just won the American League Cy Young Award. Yep. Uh, the the next three guys I have I think are just pretty straightforward. It's because they what they've done late in the season or the role they were expected to have. Uh, Biggio, Davis Schneider, Kevin Kiermeyer. I don't think there's anything at stake for those guys. I mean, maybe Biggio gets in a spot and he doesn't come through, but that just feels like a going back to where he was. Biggio has done so much in the last month, the regular season. The guy's been batting cleanup seemingly for the entire stretch of it, mm-hmm. and they needed those games to get in. Uh, and then obviously, Davis Schneider is like everyone's favorite. Kiermeyer has been a fan favorite from the jump. I just don't know what those guys could do one way or another. I agree, but I do think Kevin Kiermeyer has been not discussed enough as far as his postseason resume, right? Mm-hmm, like we totally. look at George Springer, naturally, as a World Series MVP. That guy has his bona fides. Mm-hmm. Uh, Brandon Belt, been in some World Series as well. You know who else has played in the World Series? <laughs> Kevin Kiermeyer. Yeah. Okay, and he, he hasn't beat the heck out of the baseball. He's hit a, a, a 7.03 OPS over his 29 career postseason games, but he's hit four home runs. He's, he's, he's taken his walks. He knows what the pressure feels like to be in these postseason games. He's mm-hmm. made it all the way to the the glamour series in the postseason. We don't talk enough about him, and at times he's been yeah. a real contributor offensively for this Blue Jays team. Yeah, so I think I think he's pretty safely in there. And yeah, it's not that he can't gain, but it's just there's very little he can kind of lose in in the postseason. Mm-hmm. That's not fun though. Let's talk about the fun stuff. The yeah. guys who have the most at at stake. I'm just gonna count him down. Start at the top. We don't need to belabor the point. We've talked about it a ton. We've, let's all say it together. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. This is the guy. Like, we're going to, if Bichette rips the cover off the ball, great on him. If any of these guys come through, great. But it is going to be about what Vladdy does. That is, for most people, going to be the immediate flashpoint that they go to in this series, a hundred percent because of the regular season performance. And and while Bo Bichette didn't look like the same guy when he came off the IL, the, the regular season was... I think viewed for him individually by and large as a success, but you look at the two guys and how similarly they have produced or haven't produced in their limited time in the postseason. Bo two for 14 in his postseason career does have one double, but had a very notable error in his first kick of the can in the weirdo postseason against the Rays in 2020. Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Uh, And ran into George Springer as well. Oh yeah. There was also that. That was really bad. Uh, Vladimir Guerrero Jr. In the postseason two for 15 not a single 
extra base hit to be had. So they're not over, but they're pretty darn close. They, they both have better career numbers than Mike Trout in the playoffs for what it's worth. Yeah, and their their <laughs> sample is, is I think, now bigger than Mike Trout. Mike Trout did play in, uh, in 15, one, one. One for 15 with a homer. That's the line. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so they, they, <laughs> Trout has, has more total bases. But, no, those two guys, you go through, and I know we're talking about small samples, and it was just two games last year against the Mariners, and before that, it was just two games against the Rays and might be only two games this year against the Twins. So what? That's that's what it's about. Like, if, you, mm-hmm. if you're if you talking about two games and another, like, 0 for 4 for both of those guys, 0 for 8, and you're talking about, you know, 2 for 22 or, you know, 2 for 20 mm-hmm. in a postseason career, it's probably not fair to talk about those guys going wanting in the postseason, but that's that's the nature of postseason baseball. It's different than the conversations we have around regular season success. Yeah, and if, you, uh, if you're if you so bothered by having your success be defined in a three-game series, you could win more games and then yep. have it defined in five or yep. even seven. You yep. know, heaven forbid. Uh, so I'm happy you mentioned Bo there. I'll be honest, because of everything he has done this season, I was wondering where to put him on that list. Well, that's but it. I th- I th- but... It's gone a little quiet in the back half oh, of the year. The injury has. and everything, that's not all to put it on him, but also it's him. You got to put it on somebody. So I think that I think that he, I'm going to slot him in second, but I also think he has a, the, the gulf between him and Vlad because of the will that was built up in the regular seasons there. Uh, third guy I've got on my list, and I'll throw fourth in there because I've got him back to back. It's Hicks, and then it's Romano. Mm. Hicks is a free agent to be. If he supplants Romano and becomes the guy and is locking down a World Series and dream with me, everybody, what does that do to his value? I mean, it skyrockets it. it. There's very little, I think, that can be done to completely tank it. You throw 102 and you're healthy, people are going to want to get a piece of that. But if he has the postseason you all dream of him having, his value is going to take off like a rocket ship. And then I got Romano right behind him, not because of that, but because... You know, whatever they did to the pen this year, you hope he is the tip of the spear for it for a very, very long time. So that's why I have Romano as fourth there. Yeah, and boy, the argument to be made that 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 the Romano need, deserves to be near the top of this thing, considering, and again, it's not entirely his fault. And like things, it's so much has to go wrong to lose a baseball game in the fashion that the Blue Jays did a season ago. But just quite factually, he gave up all the runs, right? Mm-hmm. Like he he gave up, couple earned runs, four hits in an inning, two-third, standing on the mound when the worst playoff failure <laughs> in Toronto Blue Jays history uh-huh. occurred. And if we're talking about another postseason where, you know, he blows another save, even after a great, again, another great regular season, are there conversations this offseason about the Blue Jays, you know, maybe pushing harder to bring Jordan Hicks back uh-huh. or go outside of of the relievers you know and bringing in uh, the next closer for, for this Blue Jays team. I think that's a, a very reasonable uh, expectation for this team as far as conversations to be had if Romano falters again. And from a front office narrative perspective, thank God they went out and got Jordan Hicks because the conversations we'd be having led by yours truly, Brent Gunning, if it was Duran with 103 and cut right. versus Jordan Romano doing what he does, which is still very, very valuable, but mm-hmm. not that. Right. Uh, just be way too easy to point to. But they got their freaking nature uh, sitting there too. So good on them. This one, I think, is this is a bit of a Rorschach test, depending how you feel about this person, because they're not a player, but I think they'll have a lot to say one way or another. It's John Schneider. We talked about it with the pen. We talked about it with the lineup. It is a wonderful thing to have options at your disposal. But what options do 
is make you actually make a decision one way or another where you can make a case for either side of it. But guess what? It's the playoffs. And we might not always judge the result through 162. We're a thousand percent playing the result on everything that happens here. And I don't think it's at stake in the sense of he's going to be fired if it, it necessarily, if they are unable to advance. But I think that his decisions are going to be a big, big part of what we talk about in this series. Well, and you want to talk about changing the fan perception, right? Like and clean slate after mm-hmm. a disappointing regular season individually for Vlad or as a team after only winning 89 games for John Schneider. You know, who's bringing up him not pinch running for Alejandro Kirk like three weeks ago <laughs> if he pulls all the right levers right. tonight and then tomorrow and all of a sudden he's got the magic touch and part of having the magic touch is just the players actually produce for you. It's amazing and, how yeah, that works. If everybody's just good when you put them in the spots that they're supposed to be good at, yeah, you get the credit for that. But yet our conversations about John Schneider can be entirely different. And I'm very willing to have those discussions. I will say that, like, I do, I I, I, I feel like I'm in a position where I'm capable of, of criticizing John Schneider while also in the moment understanding whether the process was sound. So, right, like going back to the decision to put Tim Meza in against... Yep. Carlos Santana. While I understand his argument, I also understand the the more basic argument that you have a guy that's supposed to be bearing the brunt of your pitching pressure, mm-hmm. a guy that is signed to the big deal for a reason, Kevin Gossman looking like that guy, yep. that that's the, the the side I would rather lean on as opposed to, to Tim Mesa. So I'm, I'm not just... I. Everyone's going to judge the results, and I will do some of that as well. But I, I just need to see a better process, which mm-hmm. I haven't seen. That's the thing. So many of these decisions that I've disagreed with, including the Alejandro Kirk not yep. pinch running thing, it's totally. like, wh- what's the process there? That makes no sense. Your explanation makes no sense. So I need to see some things that make some sense. Yeah, that's a, it's a good place to start. You would like it to make some sense. Uh, I'll just throw these last three at you because I'm honestly not sure what the order is for them, but I think they all have a fair bit at stake. Chapman, Springer, and Kirk. Obviously, three like very different entities here. Yeah. Springer's just like this is his time. Okay, right. like we can put it all on Bo and Vlad, and we should. But his legacy's be... already made, though. It is not here. No, it's what's true. his legacy here? He came and collected a fat paycheck, and he yeah. was a good leader guy, I guess, and never won a playoff game. Mm. What a what a Jay's legacy. You yeah. think he wants to leave that? No chance. So it's not what's at stake for. Yeah, when he goes to Cooperstown or whatever, like it's yeah. going to be thought of as the Astros, and we won't talk about that any further. But you want to have a legacy here. You're running out of chances to do it. The oh. version of George Springer that you see at this exact time next year going to be worse than the one you're seeing right now. So chances are few and far between. Yeah. Okay. To the Springer point. Yeah. I mean, again, I, I earlier said we were not allowed to bring up those Astros you, teams. I, yeah. I apologize to you, actually. Can banging. But a lot of those guys got a measure of revenge in winning the World Series last year, right? Having the postseason success mm-hmm. where they were scrutinized and obviously. I mean, I assume everything was on the up and up. I mean, it'd be quite a move to oh, be. Could you imagine we came again? up with a story like three years later? God. So but good. yeah, by and large, Alex Bregman, Jose Altuve. Okay, you can talk about them doing things that were yeah. untoward during that first World Series run, which is 100% accurate. Mm-hmm. They won last year. Yeah. And I, I think the microscope was very much on them. So George Springer, I'm sure, would love to join yeah. those guys in that group that's not absolved for the sins of the past, but maybe can at least show an argument that the, he wasn't just a trash can creation. Yeah, and Kirk, 
Kirk, he's in a tough spot here just because of the catcher depth. You almost say, all right, it is what it is offensively, what you give us at this point in time. So kind of tough there. And then Chapman, very similar to Hicks. He's a UFA. Uh, If you want to prove you still have some power in the bat, now would be a good time to show it. Uh, I love that. Yeah, there's a lot of pressure. Thank you. Uh, and I think below all of those guys is every single Minnesota twin. Yeah. <laughs> oh, oh, literally. Yeah. <laughs> to a man. Yeah. All right, when we come back, uh, Daniel Jones stinks. Uh, so that's tough for the Giants, who still have more primetime games remaining. Um, we'll talk to Peter King, NBC Sports, Football Morning in America next, as the Fan Morning Show continues. Ben Ennis, Brent Gunning, Sportsnet 590, The Fan. Diving deep into Leafs, Raptors, Jays, and NFL. The J.D. Bunkins Podcast. Subscribe and download the show on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Fan Morning Show, Sportsnet 590, the fan, Ben Ennis, and Brent Gunning. So, so far this season, boy, a rough go for the New York sports teams. The Mets and Yankees... Finish on the outside of the playoffs looking in. The Jets lose uh, Aaron Rodgers on play number four from scrimmage mm-hmm. to start the season. The New York Giants have now been outscored 77 to nine in first halves of football games this Ooh. season as they drop to one and three on the season after a 24 to three beatdown at the hands of the Seattle Seahawks. They're playing the Dolphins next week. We get to see him back in prime time in week six on Sunday night football in Orchard Park against the Buffalo Bills. Not, not going so so great for, for New York sports. So uh, let's talk to the voice of New York sports, Peter King of NBC Sports and Football Morning in America. It's, it's tough, tough go right now, Peter. Well, if you think about this, Ben, the, the weird part of it is the New York Giants won a playoff game last year in Minnesota. <laughs> And this year, they are going to be out of any serious playoff contention before the start of the World Series. Yeah, it's, it, it's, it's, a, it's amazing. It's sadly amazing. Yeah. But, but look, you know, any team that simply cannot protect its quarterback and the you know the 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 jailbreak that that was the Seattle defensive front on Daniel Jones last night is just indicative of what Giants have been trying to fix for the last ten years. Mm. Uh, they just simply cannot fix their offensive line, no matter how many resources they put into it. So that is a that's the major issue, but. Just imagine, you know, you're supposed to have some home field advantage in football. They've been outscored 64 to three in their two home games. And so it, you just, it's just, uh, it's a lost season for the Giants. And we all would have said before 8 p.m. Sunday that it was a lost season for the Jets, but they released the restrictor plate or whatever cliche I'm trying to use here <laughs> on Zach Wilson, they let him play football the way he played at Brigham Young, they let him throw the ball around. And, you know, look, I'm not saying that he's a really good NFL quarterback because no one knows if he is or, 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 or will be at any time in the future, but he looked like an NFL quarterback uh, on Sunday against Kansas city. So, Again, we'll see about the Jets. Uh, I have my doubts 
but uh, we'll see about the Jets. They're they're certainly not better than two of the teams in their division, mm. and the, there's just going to be a major brawl for the playoff spots in the AFC this year. So they're going to have to, uh, you know, they're going to have to win ten or eleven games, and I don't know with that quarterback if they can do that. Yeah, probably not. And 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 certainly they're in a, a, a better uh they're in better shape this season to at least make some noise than uh the the Giants are considering yeah. um the the lack of talent there and ten sacks Daniel Jones suffers yesterday at the hands of the Seahawks. Brian Dayball is the defending coach of the year, and you mentioned it that that Giants team overexceeded expectations a season ago, got into the playoffs, then won a playoff game. How are we supposed to view that season and, and what Brian Dable did and, and the, the, the trophy that he won being the coach of the year a season ago? You know, every Bill Parcells had, used to have this classic uh, thing when I covered him 30-plus years, almost 40 years ago now in New York, uh, you know, covering the New York Giants. And he used to say this, and... I used to say, yeah, 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 but he's absolutely right. You never pick up in football. You never pick up one year where you left off the previous year. And in so many ways, he's absolutely, totally, unequivocally correct because we see it every year. There's eight teams, 10 teams, 12 teams where both good and bad, you say, how did that happen? The way this happened with the New York Giants, I'm convinced, is very, very clear. Okay, They drafted a right tackle last year with, I think, the seventh overall pick, Evan Neal, who is not an NFL tackle, period. They made a mistake on that draft pick. He's going to have to, at some point, almost certainly move into guard. Guards are much easier to find in today's football than tackles because tackles have to play the track stars of the defense. They have to hold out the Micah Parsons is Micah Parsons is of the world and TJ Watts and, you know, and, and Aiden Hutchinson's and they have to hold those guys out and they're so quick, so fast. Uh, and if you don't have two guys last night, you know, and the giants appear to have zero, if you don't have two guys who can do that, uh, your quarterback is going to get battered and bruised every week. That's what's happening to the Giants. So, you know, that position has become, you know, in modern football, it's as important to have two really good tackles. The Giants have an injured one right now in Andrew Thomas. But you got to have two good ones. And the Giants only have one, and he's hurt right now, and their season is going to go down the tubes because of it. Yeah, there was a clip from, I think it was a couple of weeks ago when the Browns were playing the Titans, actually, and it was just Miles Garrett going back and forth across the defensive line. They just had to bring a tight end with him every time, and I think they ended up taking yeah. a, it was either a false start or a delay a game because they were just so preoccupied on him. And there, it seems like every, I mean, Miles Garrett's kind of a one-on-one, but it seems like everybody yeah. has somebody each week that you have to deal with in that regard. Uh, I want to ask you about the Chiefs. Look, they're 3-1. and one. I think every coach in the NFL would take that to, to start the season. They'd be pretty happy with that, but – 
the Chiefs have had some squeakers. We just talked about the Sunday nighter against the Jets. You go back to the Week 2 game against the Jags, which was a bounce-back win for them, but I think some people maybe expected that to be a little more handy. And then, of course, the Week 1 loss against the Lions. To me, this looks like a good team just kind of finding its footing early on in the season, but is there any cause for concern with what we've seen from the Chiefs so far this year? Kansas City will be far better on December 3rd than they are on October 3rd or whatever today is. And the reason is because if you think about it, in the last three years, Patrick Mahomes has lost his two major, other than Travis Kelsey, he's lost all of his security blankets. You know, he lost Tyreek Hill two years ago. He lost uh, Juju Smith-Schuster and McCole Hardman last year. And, and, and so you're losing guys who are difference makers, uh, Hardman and Hill because of their speed, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster because he was a precision uh, route runner. And, and so right now what Patrick Mahomes is trying to do is he's trying to make people like Sky Moore, Justin Watson, uh, Marquez Valdez Scanling. He's trying to make them into irreplaceable parts, uh, and they're still working on that. They're not as good as the guys who they've lost. And so there's an over reliance right now on Travis Kelsey. You could see how much the Jets were trying to take him out of the game. He was fairly much a non factor. The same way the Bills took Tyreek Hill out of the game. Mm-hmm. Um, and when you take those guys out of the game or when you, when you blanket them and make uh, Patrick Mahomes beat guys with somebody else uh, and you make uh, Tua Tungvaloa try to beat you with other people, it can be really, really difficult. So to me, I think that's one element that Patrick Mahomes, he'll get better at it because he's so incredibly good, but I think it's going to take a little while. It's hard for me, Peter, not to look at the AFC as a, as a two-horse race with maybe, you know, a couple of teams underneath. But yeah. the, the, the Bills and the Chiefs now, especially, you know, considering the way Joe Burrow has both looked um, and also his physical health, which is, I think is very closely related. Um, and then maybe you can talk about the Dolphins and the Ravens being below the, the Bills and the Chiefs. But the Bengals specifically, it was, it was supposed to be kind of a three-headed monster in the AFC um, yeah, and, and and Joe Burrow and and Patrick Mahomes and Burrowhead and like that the, the Bengals and Chiefs had a nice little rivalry going. It's it's hard not to view that that team as a total write off in the AFC right now. I guess there's you know, a lot of seasons still to go, and and I guess he 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 could look like a his old self at, at any point in time here. But it's it's hard not to write off the Bengals right now, Peter. As I wrote in the column yesterday, Joe Burrow in twenty one and twenty two had one touchdown pass per every 16 attempts. This year, he has one touchdown pass per every 76 attempts. And there's a very simple reason for that. He is not Joe Burrow right now. His injury, his strained calf is uh, bothering him to the point that he uh, is not able to set himself uh, and throw the ball well. His mechanics are all screwed up. So I agree. I think the Bengals' season is bordering on being a write-off. They go to Arizona this week. I don't think they're going to beat Arizona. 
Now, normally you would say that's a lock, that's a gimme. But any team that gets absolutely throttled, showing no signs of life on offense at Tennessee, uh, is got a good chance to get throttled again at Arizona. Um, the, the two other teams you talked about, beware Baltimore. Okay, just just watch out for Baltimore because, and again, look, Lamar Jackson hasn't stayed healthy the last two years. He must stay upright for 17 games. It's the same story with both Baltimore and Miami. The only difference is I think Baltimore has a transcendent young talent in Zay Flowers. They've got to get him a little bit more involved in the offense. They've got to get him to stay healthy. Uh, so Baltimore, with good health, is going to be a tough team to beat uh, come January. And Miami, look, Miami picked a wrong, picked a bad time to have a bad game, and I don't like the fact that uh, they just left. Uh, you know, they basically left Stephon Diggs with a free agent type player corner. Uh, the other day for the game, uh, he was not fit to cover uh, Stephon Diggs uh, and duel him. But Miami is going to be is definitely going to be part of the equation uh, as you come down the stretch in the AFC. So I definitely don't think it's a two horse race. I think it's either a three or four horse race if Lamar Jackson stays healthy. Yeah, it'd be fun to see the return engagement in Miami between the uh, Bills and Dolphins later on this season as well. Uh, Peter, always appreciate the time. Thanks for doing this. Sounds great, guys. Thank you. There's Peter King, NBC Sports, football morning in America. Yeah, not that the Bengals or the Dolphins can't win the AFC, but, I mean, power rankings stuff we're talking about here. And you're right. So fun. You're right. The Chiefs haven't looked as dominant as I assume they will look by the end of the year, but that defense looks pretty mm-hmm. darn good. Yeah. Um, especially with Chris Jones back in the fold. Um, and also it's Patrick Mahomes who you have to defer to mm-hmm. each and every year until he proves that you don't have to defer to him. Totally. Uh, and the bills had their biggest matchup of the season, albeit at home against the dolphins team, but you can poke holes in, in some of the incredible things the the dolphins have done offensively and yeah, yeah the, Lamar Jackson at times has looked like his MVP self as well but let, let let's let's see them play somebody that's not within their division and let's see them play a Browns team that has their starting quarterback so I, I think it's it's Bills and Chiefs for me yeah the Browns team is uh the, the that Browns Ravens game was odd I'm very curious to see what Browns 49ers looks like this weekend for just a bit of a reset there you know I said it yesterday Lamar Jackson is the one guy that gives me pause about the pretty clear pecking order that's developing here in the in the AFC I think the Chiefs are clearly number one until somebody proves otherwise and ain't nobody doing that re- really recently and it's not going to be the Bengals given everything we just outlaid from Peter there the one thing with the Bills is I I think they have checked every box that's been in front of them this year but we all kind of had a little bit of questions that was a pretty handy win against Miami but within it you lose Tredavious White who is yeah. a massive massive player for this team now they were able to do everything they did last year without him but they missed him last year mm-hmm. and they obviously built the defense this year with the understanding you know so much of what made the Bills defense great last year was the safety play they got and this year they weren't banking on it as much because Trey White was going to be there. So it allows them to play things a little differently. I I really do think you need to see what version, 
what version of this Bills team you get after after the injury from White. So, yeah, I think it's a pretty clear pecking order, but I think there's a lot of questions to be had there outside of Kansas City. New York City stinks right now mm-hmm. in all sports. And, uh, and it's, it's awesome. It's, it's really, <laughs> it's quite a thing when Peter King is trying to sell you on Zach Wilson. You know, like maybe there's something to, to, to build on Art, there. Hold on. Hold on. This they, there's no way this has been true any time in recent vintage since like the Garden was eaten. Are the Knicks the darlings of New York sports? Right I mean, now? if you're selling yourself on some, ho- I, I, I guess like the Rangers are in there. Oh yeah, okay, like, that's fair. I don't, I don't know, like, because I know that like the Rangers are not some. Ah, no one cares about them team. No, they played MSG. Yeah. They sell out all the games. Yeah. yeah. But it's also it's different. Know, it's I, different. I do view exactly. It. I mean, I don't I don't live in New York City, but like as I an outside. This will shock everyone listening. I as well reside not in New York. I've been to New York uh, a couple of times. I, I have family members that live in New York City, and guess what? Like Rangers aren't I mean, they're for the hockey fans in yeah, New York City. That's the team. Sure. And and from environs too, right? We gotta remember that. There's New York City proper, but like they're probably attracting fans from outside of Manhattan to Madison Square Garden. But yeah, if we're talking about the glamour franchise, Rangers original six, they're a glamour franchise. Not so glamorous sport outside of this country, it must be said. Like, and that's pretty obvious. No, the Knicks on a different level, and obviously anybody in the NFL is on a different level than even that. But yeah, if you're selling yourself on hope, it's the Knicks. Wow. Because you're not. Like okay, the Giants are done. Yeah. Like they should be absolutely looking at Caleb Williams saying that that's yeah. I, we want him. Oh, yeah. it's going to be tough though. Yeah, yeah. well, that <laughs> Caleb Williams, who by the way has also already mused. Obviously, he wouldn't let these words come out of his own mouth. But mm. people who know him and through third party sources have mused about. Man, eh, let's see. Let's Wasn't see it his dad? Who's it was at not, the top? It was, yeah, it was not exactly no. like a, a couple of sources like yeah. uh, removed from Caleb. It was no. his dad. It was, it was like, yeah, we don't have to come out of school right away. Yeah, Archie Manning did it. What makes me literally any different? <laughs> yeah. And honestly, I don't know how wrong it could be. So yeah, I uh, maybe we'll see what happens with with that. But yeah, the the Giants are a disaster. Disaster. The Jets are going to be. Arguably worse than just being a disaster. Like mm. you, it's the hope that'll kill you. And it, boy, they have some hope in New York. You see it. Like Zach Wilson's going to have four more games like that at least this year, where mm. you see the the glimmer of it and you see, oh, that's it. And oh, wow, him and Garrett Wilson. Do they have a great connection going there? And then that defense is going to just keep them in so many games that the hope will absolutely kill them there because the AFC is wide open mm-hmm. after the Chiefs, but I also don't think that that team is good enough to with Zach Wilson, a quarterback, to kind of climb that pile. Yeah, unless what we saw in the second half against the, the Chiefs is something that you can extend beyond just a half, and it doesn't culminate in a fumble. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's the tough moment. part. That's really the <laughs> like t- you, you can talk about Zach Wilson sw- slinging it yeah. in the second half, and he did. Like yeah. He looked mm-hmm. legit, and even Patrick Mahomes like after the game, which is actually the saddest thing ever when the opposing quarterback's like, he was so great. Didn't you, well, Who's dumping on this guy? He's so good. Like There's nothing more yeah, patronizing you know, than you that. You know when he's not doing that? Yeah. Uh, when he plays Joe Burrow, yeah. he's not or after. Josh the, Allen. Yeah, he's not after the game, being like, "I love my, I love my big, sexy Josh uh, Allen." Yeah. He's so good. Yeah, not saying that. No. Yeah, and it's it's all well and good to look like that for prolonged periods of time. Not even a full half, though. It was punctuated by the game deciding fumble. So yeah, I I I think if you're 
stretching and you're squeezing to find some ounce of hope in this football season if you're a New Yorker and it's Zach Wilson, you're in big trouble. Yeah, um, and the uh, I know we're going to do wake break here, but just the, the sexy Thursday nighters just continue. We have got the Bears taking on the Commanders mm-hmm. in the Thursday nighters. So get excited, baby. Thank God there's play of baseball on. Yeah, that is a bonus. Uh, <laughs> speaking of which, time for Wake and Rake. So, Blue Jays with their ace on the mound, Kevin Gossman against the Minnesota Twins and their ace, Pablo Lopez. Um, Vegas very much views this thing as a toss-up. So much so that they've just decided yeah. to punt on making anybody a favorite in this game at all. Now, the Twins are slight favorites in the series, price, but in today's game... Both teams minus 110 yeah. to win the baseball game. The total is seven and a half, which makes sense and honestly feels high for a couple of guys that are aces. But that being said, I don't think I'm taking the under. Considering the possibility yes. and the career history of Kevin Gossman against the Minnesota mm-hmm. Twins and in that building in particular, despite the fact that his one start at Target Field this year, he only gave up one earned run getting into the sixth inning. I'd I'd still be I'd still be very wary. Also considering, as we mentioned, the weather today in mm-hmm. Minneapolis, where it's going to be almost thirty degrees Celsius, and Blue Jays I, like hitting baseballs when I'm it's su- really warm. I'm such of two minds on that though, because they do like hitting baseballs. But Kevin Gosman for sure likes throwing baseballs, mm. and I imagine Pablo Lopez does as well when it's warmer <laughs> than when it's cold. Like, have you ever tried to grip something mm. when it's cold? It's not fun. So I am I'm dying to see how this plays out. It really does perfectly lay out this series that it is just a complete punt from Vegas. Just a yeah. Uh, you figure it out. In terms of the under there, the other part of it as well, why it should be a little wearisome is because the Twins score runs in big, big bunches. Mm-hmm. feels like if they score, it's going to come from a blast. And if, I, I don't know if you know how baseball works. If any of the guys are on base and a guy yeah. hits home run, they all get to score too. Um, here are the prices, or here's the price for the Blue Jays to win the American League. They have the highest odds. They're plus mm-hmm. 800 to win the American League. I mean, this is. It's, I mean, feels, they're the they're the the last wild card. Like, it makes it sense. does. It does make some sense. Sen- That's why I said it that way. Sense? But question it, mark. It's also true that there is enough talent on this team, obviously, to win this series, to win a series against a defending world champion Houston Astros team, but a World Series defending World Series champion Astros team that the Blue Jays already took the season series against that mm-hmm. looks like a diminished version of that Houston Astros team that is going to be played in a controlled environment that will not be outdoors. Um, and for a team that has some actual playoff-tested veterans on it, I I, I wouldn't <laughs> hesitate to sprinkle a little bit on the Blue Jays' yeah. plus 800 underdogs to win the American League. As far as value goes, That's it's what I mean. literally the best available, and they have the talent. I'm not sitting here telling you to believe in it because I have also watched this baseball team all season long, but you, we, I mean, the Orioles, rightfully so, I guess, are second shortest odds there. They've never done it before, mm-hmm. and their closer is not available to them. Both of those things. I, if if you had one of those things going against you, I wouldn't feel great about your team. The fact that you have both of them, I think that bodes, quite honestly, terribly for them. It doesn't mean they can't win a series. doesn't mean they can't get through. But the fact that they're just in terms of value, it makes no sense to me the, the way they're priced. So, yeah, I think it's good to uh, bring up the Jays. And then the other part of it as well is just, you know, we've talked about this this playoff losing streak. 
I knew it was the postseason record. I didn't realize how handily they already had that record. The next longest streak was Red Sox with 13. That was from 86 to 95. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, they already have five more losses than the next longest winning streak in post or losing streak in postseason history. Yeah, and the expanded postseason <laughs> has as yeah added to the possibility of losing more but there's just more you, you also, games you could also win one of them like yeah. it does it does we're not talking about series we're talking about just, just like a, consecutive just, sweeps just a game yeah, just one game but mm-hmm. you know the blue jays know about trying to do that too yeah haven't done it in the vlad and bow era all right when we come back talk to the man who's going to call this afternoon's game on sportsnet dan shulman live from minnesota next as the fan morning show continues ben ennis brent gunning sportsnet 590 the fan